everyone, I'm Paul Steinmetz here with engineer Pete Puccio, and this is at WCSU. We're going to give you a breaking health bulletin right now. As you know, the coronavirus is blowing up all over the world, and here at WestCon, we're very afraid that we're all going to drop dead. <laughs> so we decided to bring in our medical director, Nancy Hench, who's a nurse and a medical professional, to tell us what's going on and how to prepare and to wash our hands. Nancy, thanks for being here today. Uh, you're going to tell us how scared we have to be about this coronavirus. Is that right? That's right. Thanks for having me, Paul. Mm, my pleasure. So there's a lot that isn't known yet about the, the virus. Um, CDC is on top of it. All the world's greatest epidemiologists are trying to study this right now. But the message that they have put out is very clear for the general American public at this time the immediate health risk is still considered very low. Mm -hmm. And as a medical person, a nurse, how do you, um, how comfortable do you feel with that? Are you worried? Do you, in your uh, at 3 a.m., do you start thinking, "Hey, this could go up really fast and blow up on us"? Well, I do think about that. I do think about that, but I'm thinking like that all the time at this time of year hmm. because there are so many viruses that just seem to explode during the winter months when we're we're spending more time inside in close proximity to other people. Yeah. You know, we're coughing all over each other and not washing our hands as often as we should. So it's this is the time of year when that happens. So I am thinking about it. And this this is concerning. It is concerning, but there's no reason for panic mm -hmm. yet at this time. Nope. And of course some people, students, faculty, staff will get the flu, which is not, does not mean they're going to uh, have the coronavirus or have to be quarantined or things like that. That's absolutely right. In fact, that's one of the difficult things about this right now because the symptoms are so similar. The main thing to keep in mind is if you develop a fever, cough, shortness of breath, and you have within the last 14 days or recently come back from China or even international travel, because let's face it, now we all pass through those gigantic airports and can be exposed to people. Mm -hmm. So if you've traveled internationally in the last 14 days or you've had close contact with somebody who has and you develop fever, cough, shortness of breath, then I would be concerned. Mm -hmm. Then you should isolate yourself and contact your healthcare professional on the phone, first of all, just to kind of minimize yeah. spread. So if you're yeah. a student, say, here on campus and you live in a residence hall, one thing you should do is let your, what do they call them, resident director know. And, <laughs> your RD. <laughs> right. And uh, let you know. That's right. We, we, do, we do suggest that you call it's always about minimizing spread mm -hmm. on, on campus and, and in the greater greater community in the world. So it's the best thing is to isolate yourself, call. We have a telephone triage that we do, a set of questions we ask. And if you fit the, well, if you fit the 
the profile for coronavirus, I'm going to send you on to to the CDC. Mm-hmm. If if it sounds like you have influenza or an influenza-like illness, then we are going to recommend that you go home, mm-hmm. if at all possible, and um, isolate yourself there. And if you can't leave campus, we have some procedures in place there too. But mm-hmm. but that's the main thing. Don't don't get on the shuttle bus, or or go to your class with 200 people. Or, yeah. No, <laughs> don't go to public places. Try to minimize the spread mm-hmm. and call us. I would assume that Danbury Hospital, the city health department, the state health division probably is working on plans to or has plans in place to deal with if there is a uh, uh, not an outbreak, but even if there's one person with coronavirus here in Danbury or around here. All that would take place, too. Oh, absolutely. You you wouldn't believe the planning that goes into this. And even here, right here on campus, we have an emergency preparedness. We'll have a whole committee team of people. And now, because this is an in, a potential infectious disease, I'm a big part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was a, a flood or something, I might not <laughs> be in the middle of it. But, yeah. but for this, we, we have all kinds of uh, plans and procedures in place already to so that if if there is even one student on campus with an illness like this, that would immediately activate that plan, and we'd keep everybody safe in mm-hmm. that way. And yeah. communicate with everybody, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Should we all be wearing those masks that uh, they wear in China? It's not recommended at this time, but if you're ill mm-hmm. and you have to go out in public, if you're not able to isolate yourself, then it, it would certainly be all right. I don't think that you have coronavirus necessarily mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you've traveled. But it's you can always use a mask, too, just if you're coughing mm-hmm. and you have to fly or go on a bus, public transportation or something. A, a mask would be a good idea to protect other people. But it's not recommended yet from the CDC that we all start wearing them. Mm-hmm. And if we, I guess like we said this, if we uh, have some kind of incident on campus or thing that we need to notify everybody, that is when part of the protocols go into place and we start telling mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're keeping secrets here, right? No, no. If anything, in fact, I'm I'm drafting an email right now mm-hmm. <laughs> before I came over here to send to everyone to let them know just what the discussion has been so far. And again, if we had a case on campus or there was a sp- sus- even a suspicion of a case on campus, the Everbridge emergency system mm-hmm. that I'm sure students are all registered with, there will be a notice coming out that way. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll send out emails and put it on the website, but that Everbridge thing will be key. That'll go, go out immediately from the police department. Mm-hmm. And we put yeah. it on Facebook and other social media too. Right. And record podcasts. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything else uh, people should know at this point uh, that you wanted to let them hear? Yeah, just two little things. One is um, I just want to remind people we are so complacent about influenza. And at this point, it's really important that you remember that already this flu season, thousands of people in this country have died Mm. already, even in, in the state of Connecticut. 20 people have died. Mm. So it far eclipses at this time what's happening with coronavirus. So it's not too late to get a flu vaccine if you haven't, especially if you're immunocompromised or you live with someone who is or you have a new baby or you're pregnant. It's really important that you get a flu vaccine. It's not too late. 
And the other thing I wanted to say is, um, in case anybody wants more information, they can go to the website, the cdc.gov website, and they're updating this information constantly, these brilliant epidemiologists um, in the country. So go to that, or actually in the world. And also, the Connecticut Department of Public Health has a 24-7 hotline with a real-life person, Hmm. epidemiologist, who can answer any questions you might have. So it's right there at your fingertips. And that would be on the webs. You just Google uh, Connecticut epidemiologist. Or Or Connecticut DPH, Department of Public Health. Yeah, and you'll get there. Good. Thanks for being with us today. If everything uh, goes south, we'll bring you back in for more comforting information. All right. Thanks so much, Paul. All right, we're going to continue with our health theme today. As our listeners may remember, Chantel agreed to attend a blood drive here on campus with me and record the whole thing to show that giving blood is easy. It's nearly pain-free, and it contributes to all good things in society. Well, Chantel chickened out. I kept my commitment, though, and you can follow me in today's podcast as I prepare to donate blood and then accept the needle and give up a pint. We're doing a, um, yeah, sorry. We will also hear from our science building reporter and uh, from Chantel herself, who will tell us about upcoming events on campus, including blood drives. Is that everything we got, Pete? Yeah, it's everything I can think of anyway. All right. Well, let's talk about donating blood then. The Red Cross comes to campus a few times each year to gather blood from us healthy people to use in transfusions for others who need blood for various reasons. As you will hear, the Red Cross is very careful with the blood supply. They ask a lot of questions to make sure you aren't carrying some kind of serious blood-borne disease. The people at the blood drive are always very nice and helpful, and they'll answer all your questions. You don't have to be afraid. It's a good idea to make an appointment at redcrossblood.org, and that site will also explain how to fill out the questionnaire electronically before you show up. But they still ask a lot of questions before they hook you up to make sure you're in good health that day. It takes somewhere overall about between 20 and 30 minutes usually to donate the blood, but then they give you a snack. You will hear in this piece that I am very healthy with a heart rate of 62, which means I am one of the most physically fit people in the entire country. My blood pressure was a little higher than usual that day, which I attributed to guzzling coffee all morning before I went for my appointment, but I'm back to normal with my blood pressure, you know, if you were concerned. Okay, Pete, let's get blood. (laughs) Well, the Red Cross makes it very easy to give blood, but you still have to fill out a lot of uh, documentation, answer a lot of questions before you can give blood to make sure that you, um, your blood is safe, essentially. So you can do it all online. I've made my appointment online for a half hour from now, and I'm going to fill out what they call the rapid pass so I can uh, go through the line more quickly once you get to the um, donation station because you don't want to sit there and spend 15 minutes filling out um, a questionnaire with a pencil and then get behind somebody who asks a lot of questions before they give blood and you can stay there all day. I like to get in and get out. 
So they ask how old you are, male or female. I'm a male. Enter your zip code. And you fill out a bunch of uh, health questions, really. Read this. I've given blood for a long time, so I read through this all very quickly. Donor eligibility. You know, they ask a lot of questions or a few questions about whether you have HIV or AIDS. Don't donate if you have AIDS or if you have syphilis. I'm clean. So I can go through all this. Uh, and um, they ask about questions about whether you've been out of the country for various places that I guess are unsafe. Tell you how your blood might be used in medical research, et cetera, et cetera. And ask you about how many, uh, whether you've taken any of these medicines for whatever. I don't take any of those medicines, so I scroll through that. I've never had mad cow disease. I haven't been out of the country in several years. I don't have hep A. Uh, I haven't had, or at least I don't think I've got this tick disease. Not Lyme disease, but some of these other tick things. I haven't been exposed to measles, so I read and understand the pre-donation reading materials. I'm in a private setting, even though I'm recording this for the entire world. Oh my God, I have to fill in my name now, even though I've logged in. Put in my birthday. Ask a, your gender again. Start the questionnaire. We're finally here. Are you feeling healthy and well today? Yes. Am I taking an antibiotic? No. I'm not going to go through all these because most of them are pretty um, boring. Uh, not taking any medication at all. I've read the educational materials. They throw in a couple of things that try to um, trick you. Make sure you're paying attention. You know, you can't give. You can only give blood uh, every eight weeks for most of the time. You still worry about smallpox, blood transfusion, I haven't had a bone marrow transplant. All those things I guess could lead to, be if I had, um, I could come in contact with contaminated blood like an accidental needle stick. I don't do heroin. In the past 12 months, if you had sexual contact with anyone who has HIV AIDS or has had a positive test for the HIV AIDS virus, not me. I haven't had, in the past 12 months, I have not had sexual contact contact with a prostitute or anyone else who takes money or drugs or other payment for sex. No, I have not. Come on. It's frozen on me. Oh, no, there it goes. No sexual contact with drug users. Male donors, in the past 12 months, have you had sexual contact with another male? They're very scared of HIV and AIDS because early on in the HIV AIDS crisis, like 20 or 30 years ago, people were giving blood and it was infecting the... Uh, donated blood system, so they, everybody's scared about that. No hepatitis, I haven't had a hat tattoo in the last 12 months, or a body piercing, or gonorrhea. I haven't been in jail in the last 12 months. I didn't go to the United Kingdom where they have or had mad cow disease, which is not good to transfer if you donate blood. I was not in the military, et cetera. I can kind of blow through these things because I've answered them a million times, but they don't like you to just blow through them. You want, they want you to read them and answer yes or no. Never had a positive test for HIV AIDS or use needles or stuff to uh, take illicit drugs. Never been a prostitute myself. Never had malaria or other various diseases or had a transplant of my brain covering or any type of cancer. I'm healthy. I don't bleed to a lot. Oh. It looks like I got through. I completed them all. Completed my rapid pass, which I can now put on my phone and then just flash there at the um, donation uh, facility 
which is in the student center. And they don't, I don't have to answer all those questions again, which is really nice. So I'm gonna put that on my phone and then I'm gonna head over to the student center. So the people who work here at the Red Cross are all very nice. They ask, I sat down and they asked me my gender again for the third time and uh, my address, et cetera. So, you know, they want to know who you are. So you have to put, give them all that information, including your social security number. Now she's going to take a little drop of blood from my finger, a little thing, which never hurts at all. I always think it's going to, but it never does. And people are scared of it. So that is important. That doesn't hurt. Just gonna put a band-aid on my uh, finger there. So she checks the iron, my blood. It's always very good because uh, I take care of myself. And next. Oh, she's gonna take my temperature. It's normal. They always have the music music playing here to keep the workers from losing their minds while they take blood all day long. I'm just going to take my pulse. Sixty-two, which is extremely good, because I take care of myself. Just going to take my uh, blood pressure. Said so my blood pressure is a little high, which is hardly ever is, because I'm in excellent shape. They check the veins in your arms to make sure you can give blood. My, I have very big veins, and I always never have a problem with that. It's good to do rapid pass because it makes it much faster. So I just had my arm all cleaned and it, uh, so they disinfect it and then uh, they put the needle in and it's just like a little pinch like they always say and um, I'm very brave so I don't uh, worry about any pain. They give me a thing, a squeeze toy to put in my hand, and after a while I'm going to uh, start squeezing it. I'm a very good bleeder, so it doesn't take very long for me to fill up the pint bag. It's okay. They come by and make sure you're comfortable. They're very uh, sensitive about making sure you're, uh, everything's going okay. I'm lying flat on the gurney here. And uh, there's a few other people around me who are giving blood too. Nobody's screaming or crying. It's all going very well. So I'll report back in a couple of minutes. One of the good things about giving blood is that you get a snack afterwards. If you feel okay, they take out the needle, they um, let you sit up and you walk to the table where they have snacks. I had natural raisins because I'm very healthy. And then uh, you get a bottle of water. Remember to take your name tag off, which is red, because you look like a dork when you're walking around campus and you haven't taken it off. They never remind you of that. And I've gone like half a day with my name tag on before. Today, it took me about a half hour from the time I walked in to uh, the time I walked out. Sometimes it takes an hour, depending on how many people are there. You ask, they ask a lot of questions. You have to be ready to answer all of them truthfully and sign your name and bring your ID, like a driver's license, so they know who you are. And, uh, you know, you get poked a couple of times. Once, 
uh, finger to take a little drop of blood out and once in your arm. And otherwise, it's, there's nothing to it. It's like being in class. Bring your phone so you can uh, go through uh, Twitter or Instagram while um, you're sitting there with your blood being drawn. And uh, then it's all done. It's a very easy process. Dr. Rada Krell reports on science building, writing class lessons. Beautiful. So I teach a class called Modes of Scientific Communication, and this class is really about teaching biology students how to communicate with scientists. But, you know, on the first day, I like to kind of dust off the cobwebs of, of the winter break or uh, the break that has preceded the start of the new semester. And so one activity that we do is I have the students write psychos. And so many people are not familiar with that term. A psyku is a haiku poem about science. And for those of you who don't remember what a haiku is, a haiku is a simple three-line poem uh, that begins with five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, and ends with five syllables in the last line. And so I thought I would just read a few of these great psychus that the students uh, created um, on the very first day of class uh, just recently. Um, here is one about uh, taking a dog for a walk in the woods. A hike in the woods, my dog runs off the blaze trail, finding some fungi. So that's as simple as it is. But you can see, you can deliver a nice image um, with, a, with a biological or ecological theme in just a few short lines. Um, here is another one. Little tiny cells, they are so fun to look at with all kinds of parts. And so this one, um, when the student shared it, she said, I just love looking under a microscope. And when I think about one of my favorite parts of biology, it's that joy of looking at something tiny under a microscope, which I can totally relate to as a biology professor. So I like that one. Um, and uh, this one, uh, this particular student is very excited about anatomy. And so this, her, the title of her psyche is Very Basic Leg Anatomy. The major leg bones, tibia and fibula, femur is largest. So, and I thought this one was lovely because it's actually also educational, <laughs> maybe a way to learn a fun fact about science. Uh, so again, that's something fun that we have the students do before we launch into um, the kind of the more rigorous uh, type of scientific writing they'll, they'll do just to kind of get them uh, and create some community in the classroom. And now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, co-host Chantel Williams. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good. We were having this conversation before, but then Pete was like, save it for the, for the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. You're running around today. <laughs> yeah. So we just had like a fun discussion in class. Um, I just came out of my social work class, and we were just talking about all these different kind of topics and community organizing and stuff like that. So... And we were just talking about that. And then um, we have a project coming up with my friends and I. So, of course, we were just giggling and laughing and stuff like that. So, <laughs> And then a Club's Carnival is today. So mm -hmm. we're getting prepared for that. We have a nice poster. We have a whole bunch of candy. Um, so That's stop good. by our table. I'm going to stop by there. Yes, then. to get some cavities. Um, and 
enjoy all the clubs. <laughs> and you're basically running it, it sounds like. Yeah, so um, I'm at kind of going to be at three different tables. I'm going to be at BSWA um, and then BSU and then, of course, the Office of Intercultural Student Affairs. So mm-hmm. it's going to be hopping around. So by the time you hear this, if you missed Clubs Carnival... Uh, and you want to know more about it, you can just come in and talk to Chantel yes, in her office. Yes, I'll be right? in the ICA office in the Student Center, Suite 207. So you can come by and talk with me. Um, there's a lot. Of, you can probably talk to a lot of the club members because they usually come in and out as well. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, you can always um, get a list of all the clubs that are represented here at WCSU on the CSI page. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any questions about that, if you have any questions about starting a club, I can help you with that as well. Um, and just any questions in general. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're the general yeah. uh, source. Yes. That's good. <laughs> and we do this every semester, right? In case they do yes. miss it. So okay. Clubs Carnival happens every semester. So um, there's one for fall and spring. So this is the spring one. Um, and then there's going to be another one for fall. Um, probably the first week as soon as we get back that's usually when they do mm-hmm. it to make sure you know so you can get started in the clubs and everything like that and know what's out there to offer um, so this is also a good time like during the summer and everything if you think of a club that you want to get started you can get it started then and be ready for clubs carnival um, and just get an idea so right. just in case if you're coming back next year um, I won't be here but I would encourage you to go because it's a great opportunity and it's a great way for you to get involved and things like that clubs so. are good to be to join definitely yes not only just for you know the social aspect but it's just getting involved you make a lot of connections um you have a lot of support which is like um one of the big things that i have with my club is that we have like just a lot of support we support each other we're all social work majors we're all going to the same thing um so we just help each other out in every way possible and Mm -hmm. the club is just like an extra aspect and it's, it's fun we do different fun activities and things like that so um yeah, it's a, it's a great way to just get involved. That does sound like fun. People. Yeah. <laughs> what else is going on this week? So uh, there is a ski trip coming up brought Ooh. to you by PAC. Um, tickets go on sale January the 27th, and it's $15 for WCSU students. And that includes transportation and rental um, gear for for, for skiing. Um, I believe you can do snowbo- snowboarding as well. They mm. have that um, as an offer. And that's happening February the 8th. Um, the bus leaves at 7.15 a.m. and gets back at 7 p.m. Um, and I believe it leaves from West Side. They didn't specify yet, but um, yep, that's the, the time. Um, and you're going to ski Butternut in Great Burlington, Mass. So that's where the ski trip is. And again, tickets go on sale January the 27th. $15 for students, $45 for faculty and general public, which is not a bad price. $15 is a good price. Yes. And so for is the other, rentals, but, transportation yeah. includes all of that, only $15. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. I never went skiing before, but I, I kind of like want to go, but I just don't want to break anything because uh, I don't know. That's why I don't <laughs> ski. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm definitely afraid of just running into something. And I'm just a naturally like clumsy person. So I feel like with skis, it's just adding more to like the clumsiness, and I'll just probably like go tumbling down instead of skiing down. But it's a great opportunity. I feel like it'll be fun. I do want to try it. So. Yeah, and I'm sure that it's good for beginners and yes. experts. Yes, and if all else fails, I can just look cute in my gear and drink some hot <laughs> chocolate and just say I went for the experience. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, for 15 bucks, you can't, you know, can't really? be that. go yeah. and sit in the snow for six hours. And <laughs> right. Plus, right. you're a dancer. How can you say you're clumsy? Th- that's... The funny thing. Okay, a lot of gymnasts and dancers, we're actually 
very clumsy when it comes to just regular activities such as walking. That's so and, and it's funny. You would think, you know, like, oh, you know, they must have good coordination. We do, you know, but when it comes to just regular stuff, not really. <laughs> it's just very weird. From what I saw for myself, I'm great at dancing. Moves, I get, like, them mm-hmm. automatically, kind of. But when it comes to just regular things like walking down the stairs, I can trip i don't know if it was because i'm moving so fast because with dancing i'm always thinking about the next move right so maybe that's the reason you need to be but, uh, planned out yes but you know it's very easy for me to just to trip and you know and my dad was like he gets so angry when i fall <laughs> i'm like i really i really don't i really don't mean to do it on purpose yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but it's kind of funny it's just a funny aspect of me so yeah mm. i am very clumsy but I, I have never done it before, so I'm excited to see how it is. Yeah, maybe you should just stay in the lodge. So. Yeah, maybe. You know, just for, you know, <laughs> I'll see how for the first time safety. goes. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, for safety of myself and others. Yes. I just don't want to tackle anybody while I'm going down. But I think it'll be a fun trip. And again, $15 and $45 for non-students um, and faculty members. So that's a great trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so go out in that January 27th. Be in line early because everyone likes to get there early and get their tickets, especially for a good price such as that. So thank you, PAC, for putting that on. Um, and then we also have a laser tag night, a rec fest Friday night coming up, and that is January the 31st, 9 to 11 p.m. in the Midtown Gym. And they're going to have laser tag. Um, they're going to have, oh, it looks like they're going to have a mechanical bull. Mm. I'm excited about that. Um, dodgeball, spike ball, um, cornhole. And I think they're going to have a DJ, ping pong, um, popcorn, and different things like that. So that's always a fun time. Sounds pretty fun. It is. I've been to Rec After Dark was is what it used to be called. Um, and they had laser tag. And I was always curious to see how they were going to do laser tag mm-hmm. in the Midtown Gym. But they have this thing. It looks so small from the outside. And then when you go inside, it, it gets bigger. So it, it's very fun. Um, and you can do it up to, like, I think six people in there at a time. Yeah. And you can go as many times as you want. Again, all of this is free, open to all WCSU students. Um, great way to get priority points. Great way to just do something on a Friday. It's, again, 9 to 11, so classes will be done. And then you can go out mm. and have a good time and just do different games and have fun. And, of course, the Mechanical Bull. I love the Mechanical Bulls. I see how long like I can last without falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I improved, but I don't know. So we're going to see. <laughs> Um, they have that, and then they have spike ball, and spike ball is really fun. I played it for the first time. I like spike ball. Yeah, it's actually very fun. It's it's kind of weird, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's like volleyball mixed with like with standing there. Yeah, and like a trampoline <laughs> in the middle. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. weird, but it's really fun. Um, and I enjoy that. And of course, cornhole. You can never go wrong with that. And a nice DJ and a couple of the games and popcorn and full. So food and, and all of that good stuff. So come out with your friends and enjoy that. Again, that's Friday, January the 31st, um, 9 to 11 p.m. on Midtown. So Wait a minute. Before we go any further, what happened with bingo? So bingo. Okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't win. Oh, okay. come on. But it's okay. I came close. Really? I came close. Yes. And I, I'm telling you, my time is going to come because I feel myself getting closer and closer. I almost won a raffle. Wow. And I almost won um, the camera. So I, I really feel like by the time I end, I'm going to win something. And I, I really feel it in my bones because every time I just get closer and closer. Before, I used to be like out automatically, you know, like, but now I'm getting closer. So we're just going to try again next month. Um, and I'm gonna. I'm, I promise you, you I'm gonna get it. You got three left, right? Yes, I have three left, so I'm gonna get it, and I feel it coming. So, 
We should do a live podcast at the... Uh, I know. Maybe, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hopefully, like, that's the one I win. Uh-huh. And I win, like, the big prize. Uh-huh. And that would be, like, my grand finale. <laughs> like, you know, like, the big deal. But I really feel like I'm going to win. I just feel it in my bones that I'm going to keep going until I... I can't right. anymore. So yeah, if you haven't won by the last one, we'll definitely take the mics and yes. go do it. Live. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, yes. <laughs> the crowd will be shouting your name. Right. <laughs> they're gonna be like, they're gonna be like, what is going on? I'm like you, you guys don't understand. This is a never-ending battle. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna get it, and it's coming. So just cross your fingers for me, guys. Keep hope alive. We because, will. We will. You know, it's gonna happen. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, and then bingo is again next month. I'm sure they're going to announce it because they do it once a month. And, every, and it might be a theme because um, they have, like, a couple of themes. They have, like, pajama theme. Mm. Then they had a Halloween theme. Maybe they do, like, a Valentine's Day theme since it's Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Fire so, alarm. Oh. Oh, well. Someone to did. be continued. I know. Okay. So we just had a fire alarm. We all ran out. Pete ran the fastest. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and uh, we tried to record the rest of Chantel's thing on Pete's iPhone, but that didn't work while Total we were standing outside. catastrophic failure. Yeah. So we're just, uh, Chantel had to go to Clubs Carnival, so we're just wrapping up for her. She mentioned something about an ice hockey game in New York, in Madison Square Garden that everybody can sign up for. Yeah, as the Rangers and Red Wings, I don't remember the date off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's on the uh, uh, What's On It Western, yeah. or the uh, if you go to the app and go to the events there, or uh, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah. Uh, it's 30 bucks for students and 80-something for, uh, for non-students, which is, again, like the skiing, you can't beat that yeah. with a stick. 30 bucks for transportation, tickets, everything. So Yeah. Uh, and then the best charm jazz club on February 7th. Yeah. And was it March? Yeah. Three dates, February 7th, March 14th Something or so. Yeah. And yeah, we'll so, bring it up again. In uh, March. eight to 10 PM in the colonial corner. Free. Free. Yep. Complimentary snacks, open cash bar. If you're over 21. Bring your ID. Yep. And then, uh, the blood drive, the blood drive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, March, no. February 5th and 6th. 5th is in the uh, ballroom on the west side. 6th is here on the Midtown campus in the student center on the second floor. You can't miss it. And uh, as you just heard, uh, be prepared to fill out the lengthy and very detailed and very personal questionnaire. That's right. (laughs) That Paul is now intimately familiar with. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's our... uh, our uh, roundup with Chantel. She'll be back next week. Thank you to our engineer Pete Puccio and producer Scott Volpe. You can download all the episodes of this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you go for your podcasts. Please listen every week and feel free to leave a review. You can also email a comment to podcasts at wcsu.edu, and we will read some of them during a show. Thanks for listening, everyone. For Chantel Williams, this is Paul Steinmetz with At WCSU.